everybody. Welcome to the Law Firm Geek Podcast. I'm John Jacobanko, law firm consultant, uh, firm administrator, um, also an adjunct instructor for the Business of Law HR series for the Association of Legal Administrators. Um, and we are here with Deborah Cabrera Piquant, who's the controller at Weissman, a larger law firm here in Atlanta. And we're going to be talking about all things accounting. So welcome, Deborah. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it is. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about kind of your background? Uh, I guess tell me where you're working now, your background, what you're doing, um, and just tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm currently at Wiseman. I'm the controller here. Uh, um, yes. Originally, um, <laughs> started working in Florida in a flower importer for a, a number of years. Um, moved to my Atlanta from Miami uh, to take care of my middle my middle son who. Was not very doing very well in school. He's my stepson, and ended up in the law firm uh, industry because I just needed a job, and have been in the law firm industry ever since. Been with four or five different law firms, two of which uh, went bankrupt, so that wasn't anything um, fun. Yeah, so you're very yeah, good right. at accounting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You can show them where the money is no longer. <laughs> exactly, um, and here I am at Weisman. Now, we kind of had the same trajectory. We worked together at a larger firm called Freeman, Mathis, and Gary. Right. And that was an adventure roller coaster, save for another podcast. Um, but uh, you also worked in the foreclosure area, too, correct? Yeah. The first law firm I worked with did foreclosures, bankruptcies, evictions. They had a collections department and a litigation department. And that was in 2008 when uh, the economy tanked, and that was a big part of legal. Um, and then I was there until 2012 when the economy got much better and the law firm tanked. Yeah, yeah. Right? we had the same thing. I said uh, at that time, so I joined in 2008. Yeah, we were growing. We went from 85 to 450 people almost overnight. Right. And the cri hiring criteria at the time was if you had a face, you were hired. <laughs> if you could breathe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could wheel you in with a pulse. You're, you're on the team. Right, and that's how I got there. I had no industry experience at all. Um, got thrown into electronic billing. Um, the firm I worked for, I walked in the door. The controller had been, you know, missing in action for several years. Uh, there was a wall in his office that had 18 months of bank statements that had not been opened um, mm. for 12 accounts. I had to hire a temp to come in and just to sort the bank statements and put them in binders so we could even start reconciling. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that was my introduction to uh, here, here's law firm accounting. Yeah, yeah, great, enjoy. <laughs> so, you know, what did you, did you see yourself in law firms? What did you want to be when you grew up? What I wanted to be when I grew up, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Oh, okay, yeah, you're still studying right? plants and insects now. <laughs> in my backyard <laughs> in Georgia. It turns out that uh, my eyes were too bad to be able to scuba dive. Oh. So, yeah, that's what I thought. So, um, I really enjoyed accounting. Like I said, I started out at an import firm in Miami and just uh, gravitated toward the legal legal field. Yeah, and once you're in, they, they suck you in. It's hard to get Exa out. That's exactly. My eye doctor recently told me that I should have been a truck driver. Oh, okay. Uh, stayed out of accounting, but Yeah, you get I to am. see the U.S. like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually thinking after this last couple of weeks at the year end, I'm thinking of going into truck driving. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Well, listen, I want to get kind of into the core of what we're talking about here, which is law firm accounting, right? Okay, I want to, yeah. you know, be able to have a resource for our listeners to kind of say, hey, 
what, what do I do in certain circumstances? What is this all about? So, you know, why don't we start with, you know, just our accounts? Like, what, what are we looking at? What's a trust account? What's an operating account? You know, I'm a new firm administrator. I came from HR. I don't know anything about this. Okay. Um, well, distinct, li distinct to legal firms is that they're generally cash basis accounting um, with a little bit of modifications for tax filings. So and what, they what also. Huh? What does cash basis mean? Okay, cash basis means that you're recording transactions as the cash comes in and out of your bank account. You don't do any accruals at the end of the month or at the end of the year where, um, you know, whatever came in today, that's your revenue for today. So your AR and your AP are just separate modules that you keep track of things, but once you've paid them, then they go into the expenses, and um, everything is based on the daily cash flow. Okay, so it's kind of like my house, how I run my checkbook type thing. Right, right. But hopefully you sit down like once a year and you say, hey, okay, here's where I'm really at, right? Here's what's in my bank, but here's what I owe. And here's, yeah, you no, know, what I don't do that. Right. I, I try to follow suit of my law firms that I work for. <laughs> yeah, so the accrual basis for me is um, much more realistic if here's really where the firm is at. So the first firm I worked for, we did accrual financials and then modified it and did another report under the cash basis okay. so that the, that the attorneys there knew exactly where they stood, but here's really what you're getting taxed on and here's what you know we're going to report. Yeah, and I think that's important, and I know you're a CPA, so you understand it's the unique part about doing accounting, specifically when it's cash basis, is that tax implications of your decisions. Right. And we don't really think through that, right? Yeah, what, yeah um, normally if you're, yeah. yeah. But yeah, go the, on, sorry. Um, oh, that's okay, no, the partners really think about that. Yeah. Um, the partners are really, in, generally in every law firm I've worked with, the partners are really in tune um, because they're generally an LLC organized as a limited liability company or a limited liability partnership. Mm -hmm. So their income of the firm passes directly to them through a K-1. And so they are very cognizant of where they stand. So like at the end of this past month, um, ca cash flow was recalculated every day. Are we going to pay these? Are we not going to pay these? Um, you know, because this is what the revenue is at. So they're super cognizant of uh, where we stand, especially at the end of the year. Now, do you ever find that, and I don't know if this is the case, but, you know, managers, attorneys who aren't partners kind of push back on that. They want to get things paid. They want to hire people now and not really understand the tax implications of doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The perspective of a, an associate or an attorney, a staff attorney, is totally different than the uh, perspective of a partner, right? So they're all into, hey, let's pay, make sure the bonuses are paid by the end of the year. You know, I want to get all my money in the door. You know, I want to make sure all my time is in, collect from all these people. They don't really understand that collecting more money at the end of the year means more tax implications for the partners. So you're absolutely right. There's a totally different perspective there. Yeah. Well, what's, what's kind of the structure of your firm there when it comes to the accounting department? Well, um, the accounting department for a law firm is kind of based on the type of law that they practice. So Wiseman is mainly a uh, residential and commercial closing firm, a real estate firm. Um, so the accounting department here really isn't heavy on billing. We have one biller who sets up all the, um, the clients and the matters and, and does all the billing. We have one person that does past collections and we have like two AP people. Um, okay. Generally, if you're in a firm like we were at Freeman, where the, um, there was litigation and the clients were commercial uh, big insurance companies, 
we had a huge billing department because the billing there was electronic billing. And so, which is a very difficult, time intensive, um, regulation intensive kind of process. And so to get paid, you have to follow a bunch of rules. So in that case, we have a really big um, AR and billing department. Yeah, yeah, the insurance companies are unique because they also tack on a discount for if they pay you early. So for right. the pleasure and of paying you for the work you've done for us, we're gonna discount your bill. Right, discount your bill, and then at the same time, they're gonna like cut your rates anyway. Yeah, yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Oh, and wait, you didn't process the bill, you know, with it between 11 and 12 on a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. so and you didn't use the right word, and, right. so we gotta <laughs> cut the whole <laughs> invoice because you didn't use the right word here. Right, and so then you have to appeal it, which requires added extra staff. Right. So, so this place right. is actually, um, you know, a residential law firm, uh, commercial law firm where we're at. The most of the staff, admin staff, is actually in the escrow department, hmm. which um, takes care of everybody's money that comes in. So on a residential closing, you have the earnest money that comes in first, and then you have money from the banks going back and forth. So we have six people in the escrow department. Yeah, and that's a good segue into trust accounting, right? So right, with right. your firm, I'm assuming you guys have a large trust account, which, and a smaller operating, but where yeah. your AR is probably no longer than how long it takes to close a house or something. Is that correct? Yeah, so, well, we do have some, um, some of the commercial accounts actually don't get paid through the closing statements. They do extra work on the outside. Um, my battery. Hang on, John. My battery's going low. No, you're good. Let me plug myself in somewhere else. I guess. Um. Yeah, if you could go into the hallway and finish this in the hallway in front of everyone. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> That's going to work. It appears the outlet in my wall does not work. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, it's uh, cool. Unless you can mark a clip, so just mark that so I know to come back to edit that down. That's cool. Okay. Okay, sorry. Um, no, that's okay. So, we're talking about the trust accounts, the size of a trust account that you guys have, and how it kind of works there. Yeah, so we have uh, a trust account has to be set up basically by state, um, depending on the rules of those states. So, we recently started to do some business in South Carolina, and the bar, um, the Bar for that state are the ones who kind of regulate the trust accounts and they keep track of you. There's a lot of rules, a lot of regulations that um, the attorneys have placed on them because it's other people's money. It's not their money to deal with. So um, the, bars, the bars in each state monitor what happens in the accounts. So here in Georgia, we have a ginormous account because that's where the um, amount, the most amount of our, um, our closings are done in. And we have a separate one for uh, depending on if it's commercial or residential. And we use a software called um, SoftPro, which is, the, as far as I can tell, the best closing software that there is. Um, it produces a closing statement. It keeps track of all your money. Um, and in that software is the ability to do um, a trust reconciliation. A trust reconciliation is actually much, has one more step 
than a regular bank reconciliation because you have to keep track of who you owe that money to. So you'll have cash in the bank, you'll have a liability for the exact same amount, and then you'll have a list of people who make up that liability. So you always know who you owe at each, you know, at what time. And so you can't use any of those funds for any operating accounts, anything other than repaying people um, and having that money relate to that closing. So what happens if I'm using online bill pay and I accidentally select the trust account to pay a $100 invoice for uh, internet this month? Okay, what? so we, we reconcile the account every day. So ah. one of my escrow people would come into my office and say, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> they would say, what is this? You have to reimburse it right away. Yeah. Um, right, so at re um, if what really causes an issue is if you overdraw the account. So let's say someone comes in and there's a closing and they're sending a wire to, a very large wire to the bank to pay off somebody's mortgage, but they do it twice. And that causes an overdraft in the account. That's when the bank notifies the bar of that state. You get a letter. You have to explain what occurred and what steps that you have taken to remedy it. Oh, okay. um, and for currently remedying that situation, and so it doesn't occur in the future. Okay. Do you find that when you respond to that you kind of tell them the truth whole truth none but the truth and it's usually yes. pretty good okay. <laughs> yes you, do. you know you <laughs> you have the attorney help you with the language right. um and make sure that it covers what they need to have covered but yeah that's a that's somewhere where you do not lie <laughs> yeah gotcha okay um so what's the best way so th just some other questions here so you said SoftPro is what you use what have you used in the past for accounting software and firms oh my gosh so depending on the firm it also depends on the type of law you're doing okay. the, that the firm is doing. Um, so at the first firm I was at, we used five different software for different practices. They had a software for litigation. They had a software for the collections department. They had a software for foreclosure, bankruptcy, and eviction. They had a software for the closing people. Um, and then we had a separate accounting software that we did financial statements in because there are no, as far as I can tell, no law firm software packages that include any kind of good accounting reporting. Um, so you buy an accounting package, you enter everything in there, and then you run your financial statements out of that accounting package. Hopefully the software that you use can feed into it and you can create you know, some imports or something like that. Um, but the software for law firms is really based on what the law, what the attorneys need to do not what the admin staff needs or the accounting staff needs. Yeah, I've noticed that. I think a lot of firms, I don't know if it's because partners came from other areas, but they, you know, you can give them QuickBooks, but they don't want to see those reports. They've got their own way to do reports that they like better. So, you know, it's an ad hoc Excel sheet you got to kind of put together on your own, and it gets a bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it, especially if you're trying to do a set of financial statements, it's, it's nearly impossible out of an, a law firm accounting software. Yeah. Well, go back to your billable hour days, right? When you had bi people billing by the hour, you had these large groups. If you were to take a preference, would you like billable hour or flat fee type work? Oh, I totally okay. prefer flat fee um, just for the convenience of it, but it may not always cover. If, you have a, if you're billing people flat fees, you need to really keep track of how many hours are going into that flat fee. So you still have to track your time. You still have to track your time. You and, when you and I worked together, there were several attorneys that would charge a flat fee 
And then when you would look in the background and you would see that they charged, the amount of time they worked on it was three or four times what the flat fee they were going to collect was. And I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you would, and you would talk to them, you know, and it, it really didn't go anywhere. But no, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's for a flat fee, it's, it's so much easier to bill, so much easier to collect that money, but you still have to monitor what happens in the background. Yeah, and um, I guess you got to make sure if you're quoting someone that you're pricing it out based on what you think you're going to work. Right. Right. So if your billable hour is 300 bucks an hour and you think it's going to take three hours, you want to put it around, you know, 900,000 bucks, not, you know, 500 bucks and you might lose. Right. Right. Well, I guess really conversely, you could do it for 3000 and win depending on. Yeah. Which I would personally prefer because there's always going to be some kind of overrun, you yeah. know, and the clients generally like to fight about that. Yeah. So sticking to the billable hours, how do we get attorneys to bill their time more frequently? I see that a lot, you know, they'll mm -hmm. save it till the end of the month. And to me, that's virtually impossible. How are you gonna remember what you did on a Tuesday, you know, morning, because, well, a lot 25 of people, days ago? <laughs> right, um, they have a written calendar, generally. They, they write stuff on a calendar and then they go back and look at it. Okay. Um, the best way to get the attorneys to get their time in is to make friends with their AA, right? They'll have an, generally they have an assistant that either enters the time for them or does, um, you know, work for them, the, the general basic clerical work. And those are the people that you really need to get to know. Um, and they're the ones that are going to help you get that attorney to do what they need to do. Um, the other thing to do there is I've made, make sure that you meet them. You walk in and you say, hey, I'm so-and-so. You know, um, I'm going to be working with this. And then when you go to see them again later to see if they can get their time in, it's not so confrontational. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Of, yeah, you need to kind of make friends with them, schmooze them quite a bit. They really enjoy um, that kind of thing rather than being confrontational with them. So um, you're telling me attorneys like their ego strokes? Am I hearing that correctly? <laughs> they're, well, they like to argue with you anyway. You yes, know, yes. Have, you know, so... Um, and then the other thing is also sometimes using what my old boss in Miami used to call the Chinese water torture, where on Tuesday on the 1st, you're like, okay, hey, you know, we're this week, when can you get your time in for this week? And then you follow up with them on that day. And you just follow up in a nice way every few days to see if they can get their stuff in and then yeah. go visit. So um, it really doesn't ever do any good to confront an attorney about their time. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, just the passive drip campaign, right? Right, right, the con right. The constant drip. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, what do you think about collections? You know, I've, we've worked with firms that have a difficult time doing collections. A lot of it's because of that billing. Um, but there's also clients who agree, and we start the work. We use up the retainer. We still have more work to do, and then they ghost you. What are you? Do you have any tips for trying to get money in the door a little bit better? Um, well, at Freeman, I used to monitor. Uh, the retainers so you know try and get a retainer up front and then as that retainer goes away try and get the attorney to request another retainer so that you always have money in the bank um, and keep that in well the retainer stay in the trust account till you use it that's another purpose of of the trust account going back to that but yeah um, so yeah try and keep track of who's who's running who's running out of retainers and try and get retainers in the door um, also, make sure that you have an a, a signed engagement letter where they've agreed that this is our rate, you know, per uh, hour for these attorneys. This is what we're going to be doing for you. Um, 
and have that on hand and have that signed by the client so you have leverage in case, God forbid, you have to find a collection agency um, and turn them over. They're also, yeah. you know, that's another like Chinese water torture process. Right, right. And you see them getting older. The, it's hard for um, attorneys to, they don't really like doing that part of it. They really don't like calling their clients and collecting. They really enjoy doing the law firm part of it. Well, that's, yeah, that kind of leads to my next question. Should we get attorneys involved? Because I feel like if my attorney, I was doing work with them, they wrote me, I'd be like, oh, darn it, I should pay. You know, I felt like I'd have that guilt, but maybe, you know, I'm not a deadbeat enough. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't see you being a deadbeat, John. I really don't. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't see that happening. Um, so, yeah, I think that you need to get the attorneys involved in the very beginning. Uh, and have them say, hey, this is, you know what, generally the people you have problems with are the ones that say, oh, yeah, this is a friend of mine. Um, be nice to them. You know, I, I'm doing them a favor. Right. So you have trouble with that. Uh, but you need to get the, the attorneys really just need, always need to know what's happening with their clients. The, the one thing you don't want to do is you've called the client, you've, you've tried to collect in a hard way with them, and then they turn around and they call the attorney, and the attorney has no idea. You know, there's nothing that makes an attorney more angry than not having any idea. I think that's a great point, which goes back to building that initial rapport and relationship with that attorney to find out exactly how they want you to touch their files. Right. I think uh, it goes a long way to say, hey, you know, I'm gonna, we have an outstanding balance. Do you mind if I call them? Do you want to call them? How do you want to handle this? And kind of just train your staff to do the same thing. Because I think you're right. I've been, you know, they get the... WTF emails from a t clients and then you get in trouble then it goes to a pa partner and a management committee and then you're the talk of the town for about a week and a half <laughs> you're spurned in the kitchen yeah exactly you, know? <laughs> you slowly get voted off the island like, wait <laughs> please I just wanted to get us all some money <laughs> you're the pariah you know you're like oh you know that person did something wrong ah. yep okay so along those lines do you think managing partners dabble too much in administration well, in my experience, um, I, I want to say uh, yes. They they have really good intent. From what I've seen, everyone managing partners have good intentions. Right. They want to always be in touch. They always want to know what's going on, um, and sometimes to the point where they don't necessarily need to be. Um, the managing partner really sets the tone for the entire firm, for how people act, how people relate to each other. So if the managing partner um, is behind the admin department and the accounting department, the rest of the firm is also going to be more respectful. When you go visit them and ask them for things or try to implement different uh, policies, if the managing partner is like, oh, you know, I can put this off until next week, that generally is what happens with the attorneys in the firm. Mm -hmm. So um, the managing partner... Sometimes it's good that they dabble more in admin and that they're in touch with it, and sometimes it's unnecessary. Right. Um, well, I think, you know, another question, which might be rhetorical, maybe not, but what can we do? You know, maybe they dabble because they don't trust. Maybe they dabble because they just want to know. Is there things we could do to kind of keep them in the know, you think? Yeah, so one of the things that we try to do is uh, weekly reports. Hmm. You know, make sure that you give them a cash flow on a weekly basis you know, answer and try and make it as detailed as possible, um, explaining each and every line item or if there's anything odd, try and bring anything weird to their attention. Kind of try and put yourself in their place. If they're looking at the report, 
you know, me as an accountant and controller, oh, I'm going to get it right away because numbers are my thing. Um, but when you look at it from the perspective of a lawyer whose numbers are not always their thing, you want to make sure that you have um, a precise words are their thing. So you want a mm. precise explanation of here, this is what this is, you know, make it clear as possible, um, you know, and then anything weird that occurs, you want to go ahead and alert them. Right. So that you yeah, before it. they find out or before it comes up some right. other way. I think that's a right. great, great, great advice right there. Um, you know, what, how do you see, and you kind of touched on it with establishing the rapport, but what's the ideal way for the accounting department? And that's all things money, billing, collections, AL, you know, APAR, assistance, to interact with the rest of the firm. Wow, it's, my, that's a really, really good question, John. Um, because you have, you have AAs, you have, like in our place, we have closers, we have, we generally have assistant, or not assistant, associate attorneys or interns. So each one is treated kind of differently. Um, having some empathy for their plight, I guess, mm. would be a good way to yeah, go about yeah. it. If you're an assistant to an attorney, sometimes that's always not the most pleasant. Right. So you want to make sure that you're an ally for that person. Um, you know, their attorney requests this. They need to be comfortable enough to come to you and say, hey, can I get this information? And then be reciprocal. And you can go to them and say, hey, you know what? I really need to have you help me get this accomplished. So well, as, as a leader in that group, what do you do to make sure that those people, your team, learns how to do that, knows what they're doing before they just walk into an attorney meeting real quick about financials for some reason? Okay. So the, the first thing I do is always make sure that, that anytime they go, like if it's the first time they're going to talk to an attorney, you can accompany them in. Introducing somebody and what their purpose is goes a long way for a relationship. So if you have a new staff member, it's always best to take that person around and introduce them to the people that they're going to be working with. And say, hey, this is so-and-so, you're gonna see them around, they're gonna be asking you these questions. If there's an issue, I'm always available. Come back to me in this office, you know, um, and start out that way. And that gives everybody kind of a warm and fuzzy about we're all working together, we're all on the same team. Yeah, um, yeah. I get the vision of like the Vietnam, you know, where they send the one guy with the gun and the flashlight into the hole and they all kind of walk away. It's not <laughs> like that, right? You want to be no, supportive. Well, some <laughs> sadly, sometimes it is, depending on what attorney you're going to visit. <laughs> and who you're sending in. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and a lot of accounting people, as, as a general rule, are not the most outgoing. Right. Yeah, so when you're hard, accounting people like to sit in a room a lot of times and do a spreadsheet. Um, so those, you have to kind of mentor them to be able to um, have a rapport with others. Yeah, yeah, you weren't like that. I don't know if you know that. You're, you're very outgoing. Yeah, and other people have told me that too, and sometimes it's, um, they're like, oh, that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just a little extra. <laughs> just tone it down a bit. No, I think it's great. It makes her great. I loved working with you, so I, I, I had fun. Oh, we had a great time. I, I, there is, I miss that, I do. Except yeah. for the, the, you know, the other side of it, but you were a great coworker. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Mm -hmm. So when do you know when to hire more people? Oh, okay. When there is either a new business line. So if we started bringing in here at Wiseman um, much more of a litigation department, you would need to hire some people that can just deal directly with that. Um, if the uh, people that work for you 
are working 40, 50 hours a week and are a little bit stressed out, you have to reevaluate what they're doing with their time and say, hey, you know, maybe we do need another person here. You know, the company, the business has grown so much. We're doing so many more files than we did last year. Um, you know, we have 50 more closers. We're going to need another extra, extra escrow person to work with them. Um, just you have to keep an eye out of what, how the business is growing, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, each department, we're, when you're on the admin side, you're hired just as the attorneys, right? Yes. So each department also, I think, should be strategic. How can accounting be strategic for the law firm? By planning ahead. Um, by planning ahead, looking to the future, and say, hey, how can we help the attorneys do a better job for themselves? Because we are a service department. So like the cash flow. For the managing partner, the best thing to give them is the cash flow. You know, where do we stand on a weekly basis or however often they want to have that? Um, also, update the attorneys, um, like I said, with the retainer business. Here, you know, can you get more money from these, uh, um, this client? We're running out of money for the retainer. To be proactive, I guess is the word. Yeah. Um, and make sure that they're aware of um, things that are occurring so that they can plan around that. Yeah, good point. So, one tricky question. What's the most important position in a law firm? Oh, that's a... <laughs> I just, I'm going to ask everyone this. Okay, so you're going to ask everyone that? So oh, my yeah. This is, a, my this is everyone question. <laughs> my personal opinion, the most important person is the managing partner's assistant. Mm. That person has the ear of the managing partner's knows the managing partner inside and out because all the firms I've been at that person has been there 15 years you know known this person yeah. most of their lives um, and understands them so that so when you want something done or you need to get communication from someone that person knows where the skeletons are kind of um, that person's super important I just love that person for being able to decipher the handwriting Right, exactly. I get this whole thing written back, update this for me, and I, I'm like, can you please help? Oh, that's a P. Really? Are you sure? <laughs> oh, I know who's, yeah, they always know whose handwriting is whose. Yeah, and they can totally decipher what it says. I'm like, well, why don't you do this for me? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, very cool. Or where, so like, what, do you, what do you do to stay up on accounting for law firms? What publication do you read? I mean, do you do anything like that to just stay Yeah, current? I do actually. I, I uh, peruse the Wall Street Journal. I try and keep track of regulations that are out there and new laws oh, that yeah. are going to occur. Oh, yeah. um, things like that keep track of what Congress is doing. Um, we have a number of, also have a number of vendors that give seminars. So our, ta um, our tax accounting firm does seminars um, every month, I want to say. And they do seminars. This past time, the seminar was on the tax impact of any changes that Congress put through on for the partners. So oh, I can okay. watch that video. I can see, hey, listen, this affects you. Let me know. Let me let you know that this is what's coming down the pike. Um, so we keep track of things like that. I also take all of the seminars that the uh, 401k uh, company does for us because that's. They do a lot of things other than just here's how your 401k works. Right. They talk about the market. They talk about the economy. Um, and then I also stay in touch with all the other HR people that I've worked with. Yeah, that's <laughs> so important. I'll go to lunch with them and pick their brains about what's going on. Oh, yeah, that's huge. I mean, I think 
you know, it's a reason for this podcast so we can all find a place to kind of learn more from each other. Yeah. Um, let's say we're wrapping up here, but I just want to say, let's say you've opened a position. Someone wants to work with you and for you. What do you look for in that ideal employee? My philosophy of hiring people is um, you have skills, you have an attitude, and you have an aptitude to learn. So the law industry um, is super incestuous, but it's always nice to get someone some new blood in. Yeah. So if that person has an aptitude to learn, they look, they sound really smart, they've had a good education, um, and if their attitude is, hey, I can do this, I'm very positive, you know, uh, I can fit in there, and then you can always train that person. You know, that law firm, um, industry, business, standards, you know, rules and regulations always can be learned yeah. from an admin standpoint. So I always try to find that person who's the most positive and the smartest person I can get. You know, the I best agree. person in the draft. Yeah, no, it's great. It's That's terrific. What, um, what's an ideal law firm culture for you? The man, it all, like I said before, it all stems from the managing partner. Yeah. The managing partner has to have respect for the employees that work for them. The, um, we worked at, together, you and I have worked at places where the managing partner has no respect for anyone. Right. And that is a very difficult law firm to work in. The um, managing partner really is the, the backbone of the firm. And people take their cues from what they do. So the ideal situation would be to have a managing partner that backs up everybody in the admin and accounting department, that when you need hours from someone who hasn't had time to put it in, you can go and talk to your managing partner, hey, can you do me a favor, email so-and-so, you know, make sure that they get their time in, we're trying to do the bills, that they understand that that's um, an actual really important thing for the firm. Because all businesses basically have the same purpose. They want to make money for the owners and make sure that they pay their uh, staff well. It's all about making the money, and you can't pay your partners unless you have financial statements to base that off of. So if I don't have billing, I don't have AR, I don't know where we stand, I need that managing partner to help me have the tools to get that done. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we part ways for the day? <laughs> part ways for the day. Yes, one of the things that I want to talk, mention is that when you do work for a law firm, and I guess any business in, in that case, but the first couple of months or for days of the month are so crazy busy. Oh, yeah, explain the that. The last so. couple of days and the first couple of days are crazy busy trying to get reporting and information to people mm -hmm. that if you choose this industry, just know that you're never going to take a vacation day on the first or the third. So tell us why. Just go into that real quick. Okay. Do what? Go into why. Oh. Because okay, you, know, you so got to close out the books, you got everything by the first, and then you got to start hunkering down, and that doesn't even count the billing that takes time if you're doing hourly billing. So tell us a little bit about why you dislike the, that. So at by, by the 25th, 26th of the month before the end of the month, you're pounding or nicely asking people to get their time in. So you're constantly worried about that, getting the bill, to try and get the billing done on the first. You're also in a cash basis firm, or, and so you wanna make sure that every check that comes in the door is accounted for. 
and a lot of sometimes a lot of people don't tell you what they're paying for so you have to do research and figure that out and where mm -hmm. am I putting this money is this a trust money is this operating firm money so you're at the end of the month you're always trying to get all that money in the bank and you're trying to get all the attorneys on board to give you their time okay. and get the billing done on the first and on the first you're doing the billing you're um, running reports already for the previous month you're telling the managing partner here's where we stand here's our final deposit here's our final revenue numbers so those few days around the end of the month and beginning of the next month are always very jam-packed well what do you especially for a smaller firm what do you think do you think it's important to have a line of credit just in case yes bank? yes I do if you never use it it's worth the f annual fee yeah you know, you just you don't have any idea what's going to happen. A line of credit is always a good thing to have. Is there like a metric for how much? Should it be like two pay periods of a payroll? Should it be two months? Is there like a standard out there? Mm, that's a really good question. I don't know if there's a standard for yeah. that. I Generally, it's going to be at least a month of expenses plus payroll. Yeah, so you can float it and hopefully dig back out of it. Right. Well, cool. What else you got? Ooh. Uh, law firm, working in a law firm is not for the thin-skinned. No, it's not. My God. <laughs> I was thinking about asking you that, saying, hey, what do you think about uh, when you were talking about your employee, who you like, who you're going to bring in? Right. One thing is to make sure they can uh, tolerate stress. Yeah, one of the questions I always ask them is, who's the worst boss you ever had and why? And if they tell me that they just couldn't deal with this, like you said, if they couldn't deal with the stress somewhere, that's why they left the place, or you know, people were mean, um, then they can't work here. <laughs> yeah, that's, those are the two uh, questions that you gotta ask. Do you like mean people? No, okay, well, your career and, in legal is over before right? you even started. Before you get started. Can you deal with someone yelling at you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And walk away with a, with a thicker skin from that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Deborah, thanks for joining us. Uh, like I said, I want to have you back again um, when we kind of yuck it up with some old friends. And uh, really appreciate you taking the time to help new even attorneys joining us or, or listeners just learn a little bit about accounting in a law firm. John, it's my pleasure. Anytime you get it together, I'll be more than happy. Perfect, thanks. Uh -huh.